Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sound and Worship Podcast. My name is Justin, and if you missed last week and you're like, hey, I really like that uh, intro music you have there, that is Oh Great High Priest by Thief to King. I actually had a uh, chance to talk with Jake, who is the man behind Thief to King, or uh, maybe you could say he's the thief, you know, um, and you know what he means by that. Uh, so we're all, uh, thieves and liars and all sorts of other sinful things. And it's Christ who stands in our place with his death and, and resurrection. So it's just a thief that is singing to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, so go check out that song. The song is called, Oh Great High Priest. Again, the artist is Thief to King. And I, I think it's a great, great song. So check it out. This week, I want to talk about a topic uh, that is just kind of been on my heart lately, I guess you could say. And that topic is straw man arguments. And what I mean by that is, uh, well, I'll say what I mean. And also, I'll read the Oxford reference, uh, you know, definition for straw man argument, but basically what I'm trying to get at is the arguments that I receive on a regular basis that really misrepresent what myself and a lot of people are trying to get across in this whole worship music topic. So I'm referencing a, a little article that I put together, and then you can find that at soundandworship.com straw. Uh, and you can go to our blog page too or the blog page on the website and find it there as well. But that's what I mean by it, and I'll read Oxford References' definition. Yeah, a lot of you out there are like, I know what a straw man argument is, but I didn't always know. So it, what they say is, it means to argue against a straw man is to interpret someone's position in an unfairly weak way. And so argue against a position that nobody holds or is likely to hold. So like I said, it's arguments that people make. They, you know, they'll claim that uh, we're setting out to do something that we're not, things like that. Uh, either way, even, even if some of these arguments wouldn't fall directly under that fallacy, I think you understand what I'm trying to get to. Some of the most common ones, and I think we'll go over three or four, 
in this episode. And you'll, you might be listening and you're like, yes, I've definitely heard that. Or maybe you're someone who is just starting to look into worship music or maybe you've you know, heard about sound and worship from another source and you're like, I, I want to see what this guy is about. And you know, what are these folks about in that, in that sound and worship group? Um, well, I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that going through these, you'll get more of a true picture of what kind of stance sound and worship takes uh, when it comes to worship music. So let's get into it. The first straw man argument kind of goes like this. It says, I guess you think only perfect people can make worship music. And the truth is no one thinks that. Uh, it's just that worship mu- music is not a free-for-all, or worship in general is not a free-for-all. Uh, you know, there will be groups that write biblically sound lyrics, and there will be groups that write vague, me-centered lyrics. You know what I'm saying? There will be ministries that stand on God's Word and ministries that deceive thousands or more on a regular basis. Scripture is a standard that divides those groups up. Nevertheless, 1 John 1 warns about those who say they have no sin. And Bible-believing Christians wholeheartedly believe 1 John 1. The reality is, everyone knows that every worship artist is a sinner, just as we are. The truth that is avoided is this. Not everything with a Christian label is Christian. Not every single artist that is in a quote-unquote Christian worship music record label or CCM artist, not every single one of those will be considered orthodox. And of course, I'm not talking about the big O. I'm talking about little O orthodox. They wouldn't be. I've talked about that on this podcast several times. A lot of churches that are putting out most of the music today that's being used by contemporary services, in contemporary services, is from churches, honestly, who are not orthodox. Uh, they, they preach some very bizarre things that distract from the gospel. Some of them preach a prosperity gospel. It's bizarre and strange, and it, it leads people to strive after things that, that are not biblically solid, that are not true. They're lying. Some of them are lying, and some of them are... Uh, I think genuinely saying what they believe, but it's just not accurate. And instead of uh, accepting correction, which every Christian should do, I can tell you, if I never never accepted correction from brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd be in an awful place. The Bible is very clear on that. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Going back to kind of the, the outline of this article, You won't find a serious brother or sister who claims to be the arbiter of truth on worship music matters. It's just that there's a difference between carefully choosing worship songs and throwing discernment out the window. And that is really what I'm trying to get at. Uh, You know, you, you have people that say stuff like, I guess you think only perfect people can make worship music. And no one thinks that. Um... It's just that discernment is required. And a lot of times when folks set out to discern, they're just immediately labeled as a judge. And ironically enough, that leads to the next one. 
do not judge. And, you know, a lot of people accuse us of judging. And the Bible is pretty clear on what Matthew 7 means, obviously. Uh, People misuse do not judge for everything. And the worship music topic is no exception. They cite Matthew 7 and then assume that anyone who speaks out about worship music has a plank in their eye. The truth is, we all have areas of our lives that are not maxed out in sanctification. Christians will continue being sanctified until death. It's certain that we must live lives that are set apart. Christians should be pursuing holiness and growth and sanctification. But imperfect Christians are still able to speak the truth. That's because the only kind of Christian in this world is an imperfect one. It's true that not everyone should offer guidance on every matter, but that does not mean that no one should point out false teaching at any time. Think about that for a second. For those who say, do not judge, the Bible's teaching us not to judge hypocritically, right? But it's not saying to never discern, and it's not saying to keep our mouth shut when we see false teaching. It's not. But that's kind of the logical conclusion of those who immediately say, do not judge. They're saying, stop, just be quiet, accept. It's kind of like they're saying, accept anything. And now I'm not trying to to, uh, present their argument as a straw man, because I know if they think about it, they're not really going to set out to say, don't ever discern. I don't think they would say that. But that's kind of where the, the logical conclusion leads you to, is that do not judge, meaning just worry about your own life and never speak to anyone about another brother or sister, never confront a brother or sister, and do not warn uh, someone that you love about false teaching because you are imperfect. And brothers and sisters, I will tell you, every Sunday, you know, I know if you're a brother and sister in the Lord, you are, are part of a local church and, uh, you know, you're attending. And uh, if you're not, then I highly encourage you to do that because we're commanded to do that. But your pastor is not a perfect person. Your pastor has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And your pastor has areas of his life that are not maxed out in sanctification. In other words, your pastor is not perfect. But your pastor is called each and every Sunday to fill the pulpit and preach the Word of God and to guard the sheep. And the pastor is not the only person that should ever speak in life. Um, we're not called to just you know, listen to a sermon on Sundays and then just never talk about it with, with brothers and sisters. You can talk about it, but you're not supposed to judge hypocritically. And if people were to say, stop judging hypocritically, <laughs> ironically enough, they would be judging you by their own definition. But at least they would be telling you the truth. That's the part that's avoided. So, article continues. I kind of went over this. If we're waiting on only those who commit zero sins to speak, we'll never hear correction or sound preaching because we won't hear preaching at all. 
There is a difference between being a sinner who repents and grows in sanctification and someone who is unregenerate. Do not judge is often used as more of a tool to try to divert a solid argument. And that's the truth. Next one. There are plenty of hymns with bad theology. I've seen that, pop, that argument pop up so many times. And uh, it's usually kind of angrily commented. Um, and it's just assumed that anyone who talks about worship music is like hymns only. I'm not hymns only. I love hymns. I love hymns, but I also love uh, solid contemporary uh, songs that are full of truth and are beautiful. In fact, if you head over to soundandworship.com slash playlist, you'll see a very good mixture of hymns and new songs. So go check that out. The article says you'll likely never meet a soul who believes every hymn is 100% biblically accurate. Yet, people still use this straw man argument when many modern songs are criticized. The truth is, discerning Christians know that a solid worship song could be written at any time. I think that, if you think about it, that is an obvious truth. One more. If you're worried about funding certain ministries, I guess you can't shop anywhere that's not Christian either. Okay, the problem with this argument is this. This argument tries to equate the world and the church. It attempts to put the common actions of buying groceries, clothing, and other everyday items on the same level as what happens in a church service. It assumes that components of a worship service, such as communion, preaching of the word, singing worship music, etc., are no different than choosing a fast food restaurant. I think it's important to read that again. It assumes that components of a worship service, such as communion, preaching of the word, singing worship music, etc., are no different than choosing a fast food restaurant. It's like saying that uh, the you know, liturgy of a church is just the same as pulling up to McDonald's and ordering a number five. It, it's not. The truth is, a worship service with set-apart members of a local church is completely different from walking into your local grocery store. Churches carefully choose which ministries they fund as they should. Now, I'm going to read that again. Churches carefully choose which ministries they fund as they should. How many of you listening have been in a business meeting uh, at a church? And I, Now, if you're in the SBC... You have likely been in a business meeting in which uh, some people call it a member meeting or membership meeting or something like that, and I kind of like that better, but you know what I'm talking about. In those meetings, they'll say, hey, we're looking to fund this ministry. Uh, would anyone you know, approve of that, or is anyone against that? The thing is, no one ever talks about what music is reported on CCLI which is financially supporting ministries. What's the difference? Uh, I'm sure someone can come up with something, but what makes funding worship music ministries any different? And we can act like, you know, choosing those songs does not fund worship artists. It directly does via CCLI. But not only that, it's free advertising for those, those movements. 
um, we don't need to pretend that when people come to church and hear a song that they enjoy, that they that no one in attendance is going to look that song up later and check it out. I mean, I've done that several times, uh, especially back in the day. I'd be like, man, I love that song. I, I'm going to Google these lyrics real quick and find it. And, um, you know, it, it, it puts the church's stamp of approval on it because that, that song was selected. It matters. Uh, I think that's just the, the bottom line. It does matter. So to conclude that article, it says, as in all conversations with those who disagree with you, be gentle and respectful when discussing this topic. Angrily accusing someone of making these arguments is not a helpful or efficient way to go about it. Explain the straw man argument away and head back to the actual disagreements in this matter. There are plenty of those. And I tell you, if you join the Sound and Worship uh, Worship Music Discussions group on Facebook, you will see that there are plenty of, of opinions. And my goal as an admin of the group and um, just in general is just to encourage people to really apply biblical principles to your arguments and don't set out to just argue to look superior to others or anything like that, but present the truth. Uh, if you have a disagreement, just politely explain your side of things which should be backed with biblical principles and go on with it uh, you'll have people pop in the group every now and then with, as there is in every Facebook group and they'll just start accusing people of everything and it's like you people they'll say stuff like you know you people are you don't approve of any worship artist or uh, you must think you're perfect or it's just stuff like that and, and it's just not true and it really just shows that people are not willing to look into this. It does. That's what it shows. It's not like we just come into the group and we're like, hey, let's have a, a blast and just, uh, you know, look, try to look superior to everybody and, and find this exact perfect list of artists. I say on the worst on soundofworship.com on our playlist page, it's mentioned in great detail if you scroll down just a little bit, um, how those playlists are not playlists of perfect artists because there's no such thing. There's no such thing. Where, you know, I'm not looking for songs from people who are perfect or from people who agree with me 100%. I mean, it would be like me being a Baptist, making sure that everybody on the playlist is a Baptist. That doesn't make any sense. That's not what we're saying. Speaking for the group, it's just not what we're saying. And so in a future episode and in another article to come, I'm going to write something about the common misconceptions that I run into on the worship music topic because there truly are a lot of misconceptions and it just diverts people from really thinking about the true issues at hand. So, I hope you got something out of this episode today. Uh, and I'm going to hand it over to Jake from Thief to King with this outro song. See you guys next time.